AWRI Decanted, a podcast from the Australian Wine Research Institute. Here, grape and wine scientists reveal their latest discoveries and meet the producers who are applying the research in their businesses. The Murray River water used to irrigate inland grape growing areas like South Australia's Riverland is becoming an increasingly precious commodity. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and every drop has a cost and a production outcome. So carefully applying it is at the top of mind for most growers. Perhaps not all though, because a recent survey found that 28% of respondents never checked the distribution uniformity of their dripper output. 21% have never performed any pump maintenance and 17% have never flushed their drip lines. They're surprising results. However, the Best Practice Irrigation Project is aiming to change that. Mark Skews is a research scientist with the South Australian Research and Development Institute, and he's at the pointy end of this project. To find out what it involves and what they're hoping to achieve with it, Mark joins me in the AWRI studio. Thanks for your time. Not a problem, my pleasure. Mark, the Riverland, it does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of producing the nation's wine grapes. But that really comes down to location being facilitated by irrigation, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I grew up in the Mallee, not far from the Riverland, and the difference in um, what's possible in production, let alone just the, the general feel of the place with all the irrigation here in the Riverland is like chalk and cheese. So, yeah, the, the river is, um, is the key. It's the lifeblood of the Riverland. That term lifeblood's really apt because basically it'll be pretty marginal land without access to that water. Absolutely, yeah. We're actually right on Gorda's line here. So a lot of the areas north of the river are really pastoral country at best. To turn it into productive land, though, is expensive, isn't it? Both in terms of the infrastructure and also the resource, water. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Water can be a, a really major part of a producer's costs, particularly in situations of drought, but even just generally access to water is, is a, a costly thing. People may own allocation, which is a, a big upfront cost, but then um, you know their access cost is a lot less. Some people operate by leasing water, which then becomes an operating cost. It's a significant operating cost. And as water availability varies, that cost is pretty volatile as well. So it can be a huge part of their production cost, generally speaking, but especially when we have limitations in water availability. So, yeah, managing that water is one of the things that growers are most aware of and are expending time and energy on to try and, from their point of view, minimise cost and get the best return from that water as possible. I'd imagine you've seen quite a change in the way vineyard water management is undertaken in the inland regions of Australia. Absolutely, yes. There's been a lot of different things that have changed. When I first started here, the predominant irrigation method for vineyards was overhead. There were still some flood or furrow irrigation properties around, and there still are actually, where the soils are suitable. But most lines were irrigated with overhead sprinklers. The water supply was by open channels. And that had real implications, not just for getting the water to the properties, but also in how people were able to manage irrigation. Uh, a lot of times they were on a roster and they could only have water 
every two weeks. And when it was your time to have water, you had the water. Then you had to wait. And that really, you know, just from the point of view of, of how much water people needed to use, getting the water on at the right time was a real limitation. So the, you know, the piping of supply just makes people much more able to irrigate when they want. And that makes a lot of the tools that people now use a lot more effective. So soil water monitoring, plant-based monitoring, remote sensing, all of these things have come in in that time. But they are limited in their effectiveness if when the tools are telling you you need to irrigate tomorrow, you can't get water tomorrow. You've got to order it a week ahead or whatever. So the changes in delivery system have actually gone hand in hand with those development of technology to assist growers to be able to manage their irrigation a lot more closely and a lot more conveniently than they could in the past. So, yeah, there's a lot of different factors have come together. Mark, you mentioned they're managing that resource as best as possible. You're now involved with the Best Practice Irrigation Project, which aims to help with that. I understand it's funded by Landscape SA and you're working on it with AWRI. What does the project involve? Yes, so we're measuring the uniformity of of irrigation systems on farm. So I guess the, the main point of management that most irrigators would be using to manage their irrigation is the valve, to turn on a valve unit of, of irrigation system. They can turn that on and off at whatever time they choose to put the water on for a certain amount of time and at a certain timing. But downstream from there, what happens after that a lot of times doesn't get a lot of attention. If an irrigation system is well designed in the first place and installed according to the design, then it should be performing at a certain level. Uh, It should be performing well when it's first installed, but performance of, of irrigation systems changes over time by wearing of the components and by blockages and accumulation of of material in the system. Sometimes systems aren't designed well and so, you know, maybe the the runs of drip line are too long or the submains are too small and so there's um, variation in performance to begin with. So what we're doing is actually going on to a number of selected properties and we're measuring the performance of that irrigation system downstream from the valve. The key thing we're looking for is how uniformly is water being applied across that valve unit. And that comes down to assuming that, for example, the drip line in that valve unit is all the same, which is not always the case, but should be. If that drip line is all the same at a consistent spacing between drippers down the rows, then we would expect that all of those drippers would be putting out roughly the same amount of water. And there's a variation allowance there of plus or minus 5% is the standard for each of those drippers within the, the block to be putting out. What we're finding, and I guess you know I've been at this for a number of years and, and this is not new, but that drippers often are not putting out the amount that they're meant to be and not putting out an even amount across the block. Sometimes that's because drippers are getting blocked by accumulation of clay or algae or other material within the water that's being applied. So mostly that would mean that they get blocked and the the output reduces. But sometimes with pressure compensating drippers, uh, they can actually get material stuck in the, the pressure compensating mechanism and they'll actually run 
more water than they are designed to do as a result of that interference with the mechanism. So you can get a lot of variation up and down from completely blocked drippers to drippers that are just um, squirting out like a tap, and both of those are you know, well outside of what should be being applied. I guess the key factor that we're looking at is what people are trying to do with, with applying irrigation is to apply a certain amount at a certain time to meet the plant requirements. If the amount being applied across the valve unit is not uniform, then some vines are not getting the amount of water they need at the right time. Maybe they're getting too much, maybe they're not getting enough. And both of those are going to have implications on the performance of those vines. So therefore, your, you know, the performance of your whole vineyard is variable across the vineyard. There's going to be areas of low yield, might be areas where they're not maturing, the grapes aren't ripening on time because they're getting too much water and that tends to cause bigger crop and more canopy and, and slower maturing. And so, you know, there's a lack of uniformity in, in production and quality of grapes across the unit, which is not helping the grower. Ideally, what you want is for every vine to be getting the same amount of water at the same time and growing, you know, as uniformly as possible and getting a predictable, uniform harvest. So, Mark, you've outlined a lot of things that can go wrong with a system. You mentioned at the start you go onto the properties to measure for uniformity. What happens from there in that process? Um, we're able to quantify that with a couple of different measures and give that information back to the growers. But we're really wanting to get an idea across the industry of what the levels of performance are like, how well those irrigation systems are doing. There will be some systems that are working very well. There'll be others that are not working so well. And we really want to see you know, what's the percentage that are within the standard what we would expect systems to be doing, how many are, are outside of that and, and how bad are they really the worst end. What are you finding, Mark, when you've been looking at these systems in terms of variation? Is it quite common to see a lot of variation across valve runs? It is. In terms of the, the system performance, some people are better than others at, at getting out and, and checking that semi-regularly. The soil variation is certainly a real issue and uh, ideally before irrigation systems are installed and you know, ideally before vines are planted, that variation is mapped and then the plantings and the valve units are designed to take that into account by putting valve units into areas of similar soil and then if the soil changes, you, you have a different valve unit so you can control that differently. So you might have some deep soil where you have a valve unit that puts on deep irrigations not very often and then on a shallow soil area you'll have a, another valve unit and that one would get turned on much more often but for a shorter time. In the design phase that can be accounted for. If it's not accounted for at the design phase then it becomes much more difficult to manage even if your system is performing well. If it's running across differences in, in soil type or differences in variety or any other variability becomes much more difficult to manage. So I guess there's a, there's a principle there back at the design stage to try and design the system according to those natural variations that are there to break things up so that they can be managed to take into account those variations. 
Mark, in terms of looking after a system, are there some basic things that growers can do to ensure that the system's running well? I was quite surprised to read that a small percentage have never even checked their filters. Well, certainly filtration is a key, with drip especially. So obviously the passages within the drip system are much smaller than than an overhead sprinkler nozzle. So as people move to under-tree sprinklers, or sorry, under-vine sprinklers or drip, the filtration becomes much more critical and the type and size of filtration needs to change. The other thing is that there will be material that gets through filtration anyway. So, you know, really fine colloidal clay. Sometimes um, algae can get through the, the filtration and then grow inside of the dripper line. The fine clay will accumulate in the, dry, in the lines. So there are, you know, a number of ongoing operations that are that are required. So maintaining filtration, checking filters, making sure that they are working well, flushing them regularly. Now, sometimes that's automatic, but checking that that's happening properly. And then flushing the irrigation system itself to remove some of those clays and algae and so on that's accumulating. So opening up the ends of, of the drip lines and Sometimes it's it's horrifying the colour of the material that comes out if that hasn't been done for a while. And of course, you know, the problem is if that's building up in there, it will eventually clog up the drippers and they won't operate. So by flushing that out regularly, sometimes it might even be necessary to dose with chemicals and some of the chemicals are pretty harsh. So there's safety issues there, but to control the biological growth within the drip system, that can be necessary at times to stop that accumulating and, and affecting the performance of the system. Mark, what do you hope the outcomes of this project will be for inland growers? It'd be nice to say I hope that all these systems are performing really well, but uh, I guess what I'm hoping is that what we find will shine a spotlight on this as an issue. So I don't necessarily hope that everyone is doing badly, but uh, you know, I'm expecting that there will be some systems that are, are not performing well and that by publishing these results and showing people what is happening, it will bring that issue forward in people's minds and that they will go and check their own systems and, and see how they're performing and, and hopefully improve the performance of their systems. One of the things we intend to do is that we will identify the best performing systems and talk to those growers about what, what, what are their practices, what do they do on a day-to-day basis to achieve that level of performance. And so that best practice aspect will be a positive input into the industry. I hope that people will look at that and take ideas and lessons from what those people are doing to um, make sure that their own performance is as good as it can be. Mark, to find out more, listeners can click on the show notes for this podcast or they can also go to the AWRI website and I'm guessing you'll also be publishing your results down the track as well. There are a number of resources around and certainly as part of this project we will be producing some more information to be hosted by Wine Australia and uh, AWRI. Mark, really important work you're doing there in terms of trying to help the careful and cost-efficient allocation of a precious resource, to say the least. Mark Skews, Saudi Research Scientist, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this AWRI podcast. It's been my pleasure, Drew. Glad to be part of it.
The AWRI Decanted podcast is supported by Australia's grape growers and winemakers through their investment agency Wine Australia with matching funds from the Australian Government.